This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning, Canada, and welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, Mark Sacchino, all around here. Bob and I are back from California after a very, very, very eventful time testing out some of TaylorMade's new products, some uh, eventful uh, things happened on the golf course as well, which I'm sure you saw on social media, which we'll get to momentarily. But Mark is still in the United States. Mark decided to extend his stay to watch his beloved San Francisco 49ers. And uh, Mark, uh, welcome. And how are you feeling this morning after what was a very interesting uh, performance yesterday afternoon? Oh my, Adam, what a couple of horrible football games. Like really, so game one, I'm still not over it. We've got what, seven points gifted in the first, you know, first drive. And then, uh, and then Purdy goes out for the entire game. I, I mean, it was over in the first five minutes. It was really, really hard to watch. And then I don't know if you guys saw the second game, but that has to be some of the worst officiating. I didn't have a dog in the race in the second game, but that is some of the worst officiating I think I've seen uh, across four quarters. And it just got worse and worse as the game went on. And I went on Twitter this morning and uh, I was like, wow, I guess, okay, everybody kind of agrees with me because those the refs were getting roasted. But boy, was that hard to watch. Yeah, it was certainly an eventful championship Sunday. Uh, Bob and I flew home from the San Diego airport and I was actually back for the fourth quarter of the Chiefs and the Bengals last night, Sunday evening to see all of that, but uh, we'll, we'll have a very busy show today to segue back to golf. We're going to hear from Brian Basil from TaylorMade to discuss the new Stealth 2 fairway metal line and hybrids as well. Of course, we spent some time at the TaylorMade Kingdom shooting our TaylorMade product special, which will be airing in just about a month on TSN for our television debut. We're going to recap Rory McIlroy back in the winner's circle again. He won on the DP World Tour overnight. He The final putt went down a couple hours ago and Rory McIlroy winning over Patrick Reed. What eventful week that was. We'll recap all that to kick off hour two. Max Holma in the winner, winner's circle again, his sixth career PGA Tour victory. But before we get to all that, let's hit some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Okay, so for those who follow us on social media, Golf Talk Canada, Twitter, Instagram, or Bob, myself, or Mark, all on Twitter or Instagram too, you saw that we were in San Diego, Carlsbad, California. We left on Thursday, came back last night. Mark's been there a little longer for the PGA Tour radio. Mark is coming back a little later this week. But we were there seeing some of TaylorMade's new products. We got to spend some time at the Kingdom. We had a couple of Week Sino versus Team Recoil matches. Now, gents, I'm not sure where you want to start here because we could go on for a while about everything here. But I'd say let's begin... Uh, Mark, with you on the TaylorMade Kingdom experience. You've been, obviously, a number of times, and we're going to show the entire kingdom on our product special in about a month. But 
Walk us through what it's like for those who haven't been there. Give us sort of a, a walkthrough of, of what you enjoy most about being at the TaylorMade Kingdom. Well, I don't think, I think you and I were talking about this with Bob earlier uh, in the week. Once you have an opportunity to test the product in, in an outdoor environment, and listen, this is no this is no criticism about indoor facilities or being uh, custom fit inside because getting cu custom fit uh, indoors, if that's your only option, then and to me, then it's still a no-brainer. You need to get fit. And I think that was reinforced again on this trip. But getting uh, the ability to test that product and get it in an outdoor environment and feel its interaction with the turf and, and not give up the things you give up normally when you go outside. The kingdom's wired, you know, back to front like it's a, like it's a, a fitting lap with, with track man and, and cameras and everything capturing all the data on the planet. So you're not giving up anything going outside at the kingdom. You're just gaining all, all those outdoor experiences, which are really hard to recreate Obviously, every toy on the planet for, from TaylorMade. And I really like to know, like, you know, Nick said to me, do you hear that thumping going on behind that door? And I said, yeah. He's like, well, that, they're probably testing something in there that we're going to see in eight years. And I'm like, hmm. And I was like, how do I get behind that garage door? Because I want to know what's coming in eight years. But it was pretty awesome. It was pretty awesome to be able to... Uh, to get down there, see everybody again, and really test the equipment outside. We, we got, you know, normally we don't get to take it out to a golf course because we're there in December and the embargo hasn't been lifted. But, you know, we got our product out on the golf course. We played with it. Uh, it was fantastic. It certainly was. And Bob, for you, I know you've been at the Kingdom a number of times too. And you get, you personally did a couple of interviews, one with uh, Bill Price about the new TaylorMade putter line, which is revolutionary to say the least. I can't wait to A, try it and B, see what everyone thinks of, of these new putters because they are spectacular. And you also spoke with uh, Mike Fox about the ball and a lot of the conversations we all had with all of the reps from TaylorMade or part of the conversation was about Brooke because Brooke Henderson goes out, wins her first event as a full TaylorMade staffer and, and she's got a full bag of TaylorMade clubs now. And for you, what was it like being back at the Kingdom, speaking to all the reps and just enjoying the overall experience that is the TaylorMade Kingdom? Yeah, it's a bit like, uh, it's a bit like going to Candyland and, uh, and just kind of seeing everything you want, all the bells, the whistles. Uh, it's nice to see some of the product creation people and how passionate they are about each of their uh, silos. Bill Price, as you mentioned, is the putter guru. And when you see the putter that they have with the GT Max with sliding weights in, in a putter, um, I think some people might say, oh, come on, this is just a little bit too much. But he really did show me how it works and how it can adjust for you, depending on what kind of style of putting you have or if your putting changes. Like we know some people uh, on this show, you know, over the years, their putting styles and putting uh, <laughs> sessions have changed over the years. And you won't, you won't have to necessarily buy a new putter. You know, you could just change this one up a little bit. And he talked about Brooke, obviously fitting Brooke with a center shafted putter. And the ball, one of the interesting things about the ball to me was that um, they said that the forecast for 2024 is that 50% of the golf balls that they sell will, will be non-white will be either, they won't be completely white. They're either going to have the big uh, stripe that they've got on there, which is a putting aid, or they will be completely colored. And um, a lot of people now using, you know, yellow, optic yellow balls, optic pink balls, those kind of things. I know older people sometimes who 
whose vision might be a little easier to pick up the golf ball. So some really interesting stuff. And, and you always try to get them, at least I always try to get them to look a little bit further ahead. Like, tell me what's next, what's next, what's next. And, you know, they're already working on stuff for 2025 and 2026 and beyond. And that's the cool thing is that they're always evolving. They have their ideas set and ready to go two, three, four years down the line. And that's why uh, whenever new gear season comes around, generally in the late November, early December time of year, it's always a very exciting time. Now, as we mentioned last week on the show a number of times, uh, there were a couple of matches that also went on on the golf course. And there were unconfirmed reports that Team Weeksino was like 3,002-1 against Team Recoil. So something <laughs> along, I, I might have my numbers messed up just a little bit on this uh, uh, the, the, Excuse me, excuse Mark, me. The correct number, Adam, is 3,231 and now two. We are now down to two losses as we lost the first match. That's right. Now, the first match went on at the Grand, which was a very breezy day. And we got to use the new Stealth 2 products for the first time. And for me personally, it was a great day to try new product because it was an unusually windy day in California. So you weren't playing in a dome. Like you had to try different shots if the wind's coming off the left, off the right, into it, down. If you're trying to launch it up in the air, you're trying to flight it a little bit. And personally, I was hitting it very, very, very straight. And you guys know me, I'm not exactly the, the I don't hit it the straightest ever. And uh, it was kind of terrifying, actually, seeing the ball going through the correct window. I know Nick as well, Nick Obrich, our, our great friend from TaylorMade, who set the entire weekend up. But we, we had a, a great time as well. Now, many people perhaps saw what happened on the second day when uh, something I've never done on the golf course occurred, making an albatross on the fifth hole at Aviara, par 5, 551 yards uphill. But so many people might think, oh, you made an albatross. So obviously you won that day, right? Ah, we did not go on and win that day. I think Weeksino, you guys were what? Five under gross combined on your own ball? I mean, Bob, let's start with you. Uh, how would you summarize? Because we won't talk about day one because you guys don't want to talk about losing, obviously. Let's talk about day two. How would you summarize that match at Aviar? I'll talk about my own personal play on day one to day two it was like night and day, and that oh, was yes. thanks that it's I managed to because you were on the range for a year and a half. I got a little bit of a, the rush shaken off. Uh, and just going back to what you said a little bit before about hitting the product, the, you know, the, it's great to be able to hit a product in a simulator and get fit properly, but until you take it out on the course, for me, it doesn't feel like it's really yours yet. And so that was kind of a neat, uh, neat aspect to it. But we, we, yeah, we battled, and it was kind of a flip-flop. The, the second day, you two guys struggled, and Mark and I uh, put some, mostly Mark, but I chimed in a couple of times here and there, and, uh, and we put things together. And then, um, you know, it, it was uh, a nice battle back and forth. These were the two biggest margins of victory in all our matches, by the way. You were 4-3, and three and we were 5-4, and four, so there's, they were lopsided wins, which is very unusual for our matches. They certainly are. Mark, in your perspective, how would you describe uh, your huge win on day two? Well, I know. I listen. Uh, you you can't just pick and choose what you're going to talk about here. You got it. We have to. Bob and I have to own up to the loss. And and we we took a pretty good beating on day one, four and three. Neither one of us played well. Um, and on day two. Um, I don't know how we win five and five and four with you making an albatross, but happens. But Bob Adam is 
he is uh, underplaying his participation because you know as well as I do that Bob is now Bunker Bob mm. with that silky bunker shot from above the hole to close you guys out downhill. Uh, bunker Bob was born, I think, when that when he gets up and down from there to, to close you guys out. So um, I, I will pose the question back to you, Adam. How do you hit the shot of your life? How do you hit a four iron 220 some odd yards uphill into the wind, into the hole for two to square the match at that point too, when Bob and I almost took the first three holes of the match. And then all of a sudden from there with all that momentum, wah, wah. Yeah, you know what? It's a great question. And Bob, you had a great line to me because I was, you know, on day one, I was hitting it straighter and day two, I got a little, maybe a little cocky, perhaps swinging a little more out of my shoes. And I was making albatrosses and birdies and doubles. And Bob, you look, you said, you, said, what you, you know, because there was one, I drove a par four I didn't have the correct line and it looked on the green. It was 20 feet away and a 330 yard par four. It, it was, it was a wild day uh, for sure. Now I, I know a lot of people have been reaching out and asking about, about the albatross itself, because Bob, I, I know for you, You've never seen one on the golf course, in, like you've seen it on TV, obviously, but you've never been. I've seen a, it on TV, mm-hmm. but, but no, but never, you never seen it. Never seen it live, either PGA Tour or other. And I was saying to you, with no offense to you, I said it's still, you know, it's got to be luckier than a than a hole in one. I think in two K, because first of all, you have to put two shots together, and secondly, you know, it's such a the second shot is so long on a hole in one. You know, you. The, you can dial it in. Not to say you're not dialing it in, um, but it was it, it was stunning for me to see you do it. Like it's remarkable to see something happen like that. It's so rare and so cool, and uh, and full kudos to you for for uh, making those two perfect swings. And I got to admit, Mark and I were standing on the other side of the fairway. You pulled a four iron out, and we're going. He's three hundred. He's two hundred and forty yards uphill into the wind. He's going to hit a four iron. We were sort of like, wait a minute, what's going on here? And you pulled it off. It was a great shot. So, well, first of all, thank you. And to, to walk our, our listeners through what happened. So the fifth hole at Aviara is uphill. It's a very sharp dog leg, right? And I was trying something new after a segment that you'll see on our social media feeds and on TSN a little later this year with Chris Trott from TaylorMade, who does a lot of work with tour players specifically. And we did a full, probably a 10, 12 minute TV segment, Mark Trotty and I, and he was giving me some driver tips. And so I was trying to tee it a little lower and I had a shot that I hit it well, but the wind sort of took it over a little too far right. And we weren't really sure if it was actually in play. We thought it might have gone too far right. Anyway, we drive up the balls on the right side of the fairway. So we think, okay, we're in play. And from my perspective, I actually couldn't see the pin because the green was very long horizontally and the pin was very back right. And so we waited for the green to clear. And also ahead of us was J.S. Laguerre from RDS, our good friend, who was shooting some golf tips. And he happened to be by the green. He was shooting some some golf tips with his cameraman, Mike. And so we waited for them to sort of walk off the green. I was aiming at a bunker, which would have been about 30 feet left of the stick. Had 221 uphill into the wind using my new TaylorMade P7MC iron. I thought I could maybe get there. It was the wind was hurting, so I knew I really had to hit it well. This thing comes off perfectly. I yell, "Be good!" Don't I see it land over the bunker? I think, "Oh, okay, I made it there." 
Nick Oberch and I get in our cart, we're driving up, and then all we see 10 minutes later, as you saw on social media, is JS running like Justin Leonard winning the Ryder Cup in 1999 with his arms in the air saying, it's in, it's in, and we're wondering what on <laughs> earth is he talking about? And then we got, oh my God, the ball went in the hole. So uh, it was one of the craziest things I've ever experienced on the golf course. And that immediately followed with perhaps maybe the most awkward golf hug celebration ever between Mark and I after the ball went in the hole. Because, I mean, Mark, I, I know we're not exactly the same height, but we our, our hug wow. afterwards, you know, like we saw Stevie and Tiger after the, the chip in at the Masters <laughs> in 2005. Louis Ustazen making an albatross in two, at 2012 Masters when they almost missed on the high fives you got to keep you know the eye contact on the elbows for the high fives but our celebration maybe we have to work on that going forward well i well we don't exactly make a bunch of albatrosses every time we go out so it's in our defense adam in our defense but i was just so excited and i said to you i said to both of you guys i said it's a January 28th or 27th, whatever day it was, and the shot of the year has been hit. I'm not going to see a better shot anywhere I go all year long, whether it's on tour, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road, whether it's on TV. I just saw the shot of the year, and uh, and I still got 11 months to go. So it's all downhill. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Well, memories that will last a lifetime, and I'm so happy I could do it on the course with, with you guys. Uh, such a fun day, such a fun thing that I'll remember forever. And thanks to everyone who reached out to us on social media. Uh, some, some good banter back and forth between the, everything that went on there uh, from our trip in California. We'll have much more on that going forward in our next segment because we actually went to the Farmers Insurance Open for the Saturday final round as fans, which is something we haven't done in a very long time. On the other side, we'll recap our experience at Torrey Pines, including Max Homa winning for the fifth time in his last 45 PGA Tour starts. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods, designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Stelly, Bob Weeks, Mark Zacchino all around. Well, Max Homa back in the winner's circle again. His sixth career PGA Tour victory at the Farmers Insurance Open. A two-shot win for Max Homa. Before we discuss Homa and what's next for Max, let's hear from the latest winner on the PGA Tour. Well, everybody else calls me the social media guy. I still think I'm, I'm a pretty darn good golfer. Uh, obviously, results help me kind of build that foundation. Um, I do like to say dumb things and make dumb jokes uh, and observe weird stuff and tweet about it like a you know kid, I guess. But when I, when I work, when I practice, when I play tournaments, I, this is what I love. I love. I love what today was. It was incredible. Um, so I don't think anything's changed too much. The confidence is becoming more steady. Uh, I've been working with uh, a sports psychologist, uh, Julie, who has, I mean, the last two months have opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, 
having a plan each day mentally. I didn't go into a single round this week thinking about a technical goal um, or a statistical goal. It was, I'm going to learn something today. I'm going to put in place what I've been working on. And today, that's what I did. And I did a great job of it. I told her last night, she asked if I wanted to talk. I said, I'm all good because I thought our game plan yesterday was fantastic. I didn't play the greatest round of golf in the world, but I, I did everything that I wanted to do and put myself in a position to win a golf tournament. Great stuff there from Max Holma, sixth career PGA Tour victory. And Bob, we'll start with you. This is a guy who a couple of years ago couldn't make a cut. He was struggling on the Corn Ferry Tour, and now he's won for the fifth time in his last 45 starts. How would you describe the evolution of Max Holma? Uh, I think the key to that uh, clip we just heard was really talking to him about the mental side. And I think that's as much as you really need to... Um, to delve deep into this. It's, his swing has always been good. His game has always been good. But I don't know if he ever believed how good he was or trusted his game. And so I think when you, um, when you put a mental plan together, it's just as important, especially at this level, because the difference between the guys on that leaderboard is so slim that if you can mentally approach this game from a different standpoint or a better standpoint or something that works for you, it's just as good as having a good putting stroke. So I think that was key for Max Holma. Four of his wins now in California, so he seems to like the, the left coast. Um, so I think that's, that's also something that's kind of interesting for an L.A. guy. And I, I think that he's just blossomed now in the last couple of years. He's uh, on the teams now, President's Cup and things like that. So um, I, I just think this is a slow uh, blooming of, uh, of a valid star on the PGA Tour. And you mentioned, you know, slowly uh, blooming and growing on the PGA Tour and that growth, you would think next up would be the majors. And Max Olma hasn't had a ton of success at the major championship. His best career finish is a tie for 13th at last year's PGA Championship. Mark, we know where the U.S. Open is this year. It's in L.A. at L.A. Country Club. Right now on FanDuel, his odds are 36 to 1 tie for the 16th shortest so perhaps some value there for Max Holma for a guy who's already won twice this season on the PGA Tour how would you describe Holma's comeback victory on Sunday and your outlook for Holma Mark the rest of the year yeah well to Bob's point I can't uh I can't disagree with the fact that I I think Bob's bang on in the sense that you know, this is a guy working with a sports psychologist now that's just been a bit of a slow burn I think he's just Every year, a little bit more comfortable in his skin. Some, uh, you know, some different type of international competition, uh, building victories. Yes, four of them come in California, and we're all going to look to LA. Um, we've got to know a little bit more about LA Country Club. Obviously, huge renovation was done for the U.S. Open, so uh, we'll see if it fits into Max Homa's, uh, you know, style of play. If it fits his eye, etc., etc., etc. But for me, guys, you know, last week when we were doing our TSN. Uh, TSN edge picks, I, I was like, okay, you know, the guy who is the best in strokes gain T to green is likely the guy to win this golf tournament. And take a look at Max Homa's stats this week, strokes gain T to green. He was first in the field with over 10 and a half shots better than the field in strokes gain T to green. Uh, and to give you an idea of what the opposite of that looks like, John Rahm, was only 1.3 shots better than the field strokes game tee to green, tumbling down the leaderboard to like 26 in that category on the fourth round on Sunday when he vanished and disappeared. Throughout the rest of the week in the first three rounds when he was moving forward in the leaderboard, he was in the top five in that category, tragedy in the right direction, 
all of a sudden lost it, lost his ball striking. So for as much as John Rahm was complaining last week about a putting contest in the desert, he got a the complete opposite of a putting contest this week in San Diego, and he couldn't handle it. He certainly couldn't, and we're going to discuss Rom at length coming up in our next segment when we go over par, under par, where John Rom couldn't quite get it done for his third consecutive victory. But Max Homa, once again, a winner on the PGA Tour. Can't wait to see what he has for the rest of the year at the major championships, at the Ryder Cup, etc., etc. But coming up next, we'll discuss some of the notables who came up short at the Farmers Insurance Open. Plus, to, uh, we'll also discuss our experience being at Torrey Pines, not actually covering the tournament, but there from the viewer or fan experience. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Caddy Time, the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Well, welcome back inside the Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Mark Spino, Bob Wheat, all around discussing the Farmers Insurance Open. We're also going to chat about Rory McIlroy back in the winner's circle, winning his 2023 debut on the DP World Tour. That's coming up to kick off hour two. But first, our experience at the Farmers Insurance Open. And we weren't there covering it. We were there just as fans. Bob, when was the last time, if you can remember, you were at a golf tournament just there, spectating, not actually covering it as a fan? Uh, I can't remember, to be honest with you. It's got to be 30 years. And I don't, probably more than that, maybe. I, I don't remember. Um any time, even at a Canadian Open or something, going on a busman's holiday or something, as they used to call it, I uh, I don't know. And it was uh, it was a fascinating time. It was it was fun. It was you realize a little bit more about first of all how spoiled you are as a media person to be able to walk inside the ropes and do those kind of things, and also you realize how how a lot of people watch the tournament. You know, a lot of people don't go out there and watch every hole or every player or even sit in one particular stand, you know, they go into food and beverage tents, they go to some of the other offerings that are out there, and then they go back out, they come back and forth, and um, it, was, uh, it was really interesting to kind of, and I know this sounds like a spoiled kid, because, I, you know, you do get the best of, of what you can, and uh, when, you're, when you're in the media, they treat you very well and allow you to do your job, but it is, it does come with some downsides too, like uh, I had a few more beers at <laughs> the tournament on, uh, on Saturday than I've had in the last 30 years as well. So, uh, so it, but it was fun. It was good. Mark, for you, uh, how you, you're obviously on the road so much covering the PGA Tour, PGA Tour Radio, PGA Tour Live. What was it like just being on the grounds at, at Torrey Pines, a tournament you've covered multiple times inside the ropes, but this time being outside the ropes and the, enjoying the fan experience? Well, I had a blast hanging out with you guys and our, our tailor-made friends and JS, etc. I, I had a ton of fun, but I did realize that uh, a golf tournament of any kind, if you're outside the ropes, is not a place for somebody uh, five foot uh, seven, 
uh, it just it doesn't work. You just can't see anything. So, although Adam, you did offer many times to put me on your shoulders, which was very kind of, of you. Um, I just didn't think a, a final trip to the hospital was a way for us to end our our trip to California. But um, I couldn't believe the the crowd support out there too. Man, were there a ton of people out there? It was you know we all gathered around eighteen on the. Uh, the final day, um, but uh, I'm with Bob. I can't remember if you include if you include the years that I worked golf media pre Golf Talk Canada in in the background as opposed to on the mic or in front of the camera. I can't tell you the last time I was at a golf tournament uh, for a non work related uh, reason. I, I would think. Probably somewhere in the '90s, in the some probably my guess would be an RBC Canadian Open somewhere in the 1990s was the last time I was at a golf tournament as a spectator slash fan. There you go. It was it was such a cool experience. Now we were around the 18th green when Max Homa sunk his putt to eventually win the tournament. It was great to be there and enjoy that experience. But as as we walked in, first of all, a couple of things. We were on the ground for maybe 15 minutes, and Bob was recognized by a fan from Edmonton who, you know, came up and said, are, are you Bob Weeks? And yes, you know, Bob, and because we were actually standing watching Adam Hadwin. And you can tell, you know, Adam Hadwin was, he was on the lower part of the leaderboard. So maybe you think sometimes guys are looking around outside the ropes. There's some pretty cool views. And we were trying to get his attention, um, you know, but basically to see Bob, because as Bob mentioned, he, has, he could remember the last time being at a tournament, not covering it as a member of the media. But we were shouting his name. Bob was trying to get his attention. And Hadwin was so dialed in, so locked in. So you can tell these guys, uh, that there's a reason these guys are good, because these guys are so focused. We were also very close to Taylor Pendrith on the 17th hole when he had a shot uh, from the right rough onto the green. But as we walked in that Saturday final round, the major storyline, of course, was John Rahm because he was a couple shots off the lead. He was in the final group with Sam Ryder and Tony Finau. And a lot of people thought, given Rahm's past success at Torrey Pines, given Rahm's recent form coming in, this was going to be really his to lose despite being two shots off the lead. He was the, the betting favorite. He had minus money going into that final round. And he couldn't get it done. Mark, you, you spoke about some numbers in the last segment, but why he couldn't get it done? But, Bob, for you, do you think Rom perhaps ran out of steam on the Saturday? I definitely think he did. I think that there's a lot of, you know, when you win a tournament, there's a lot of demands on your time, no matter who you are, Rory McIlroy or, you know, if you're a first-timer or whatever, because you, your routines get thrown out a little bit. And I'm sure John Rahm is one enough that he's used to it, but you still have extra things to do. You still have extra appearances, more media, uh, sponsor, fan, all these kind of things that, that sort of throw your rhythm out. And I, I would have to think that he just sort of ran out of gas and uh, that opening round was sort of put him behind the eight ball and he had to try and catch up a little bit. So I, I think um, nothing, not that he hasn't had a great start to the season, but this might have been something that we probably could have expected to happen, uh, even though some of us put them in their edge picks, but but still, uh, you know, great start for John Rom. He'll regroup, and uh, we'll see what he does for the rest of the season because it looks like it could be a really good one for him. It really does, and I know 
for our Wednesday show coming up, our, our GTC poll question is going to be centered around John Rom versus Rory McIlroy. Who's going to have more wins in 2023? Because these guys are just on fire right now. And Mark, you made the point last week about the European Ryder Cup team as how last season, late last season, with all with some of their players going over to live, the their potential we didn't think was as high as it could be. But now you see you know, two of the top players in the world playing really good golf. And John Rahm didn't have his best stuff for Wednesday's first round or Saturday's final round, but still finishes in a tie for seventh. Now, the leader after Friday's third round was Sam Ryder. And Ryder was getting a ton of attention off the golf course for some fashion choices, which we'll get to in Winners Weird and What a little later in the show. But Ryder was in that final group. A final round, 75. So he couldn't get it done, finishes tie for fourth. Before we discuss Sam Ryder being over par or under par, let's hear Ryder on his perspective after just getting off the golf course during Saturday's final round. I haven't really processed a whole lot, to be honest. Right now I'm still kind of getting out of I just walked off the course, but just didn't get it done. Um, just, you know, I got off to a good start making birdie on one, and couldn't get in I got into a nice rhythm you know on the front later and then put myself in an impossible spot on eight and just I I kind of I battled hard though you know birdie birdie on 10 and 15 I didn't hit a terrible drive and just had a terrible lie and went for a, a tough shot and just a couple is a combination of bad shots and a couple of bad breaks and not enough made putts and it's a very fine line, you know, um, between par and double bogey out here on this course and battled a lot, but, you know, hopefully there's going to be more opportunities. Now, Mark, a, a couple of things stand out to me there that Ryder was talking about, just from the golf course perspective, that is Torrey Pines. And we discussed this at length walking around uh, during Saturday's final round, because when you look at Torrey Pines, it's, it's not tricked up. There aren't, you know, any you know weird pin locations or really small greens. It's just hard. It's just a long, hard golf course. And combine the fact that on Saturday it wasn't warm. We we had Mark, you had about twelve layers on, which might have been a little bold, but there there were <laughs> it wasn't exactly that warm out there. But you know, t year in year out, whether it's a U.S. Open when it's playing firm and fast, or on Saturday when it's playing lush and cold, Mark again, Tory Pines really brings out a great experience and a true winner in Max Homa. And for Sam Ryder, he had a lot of good shots down the stretch, but as he mentioned there, just couldn't get the right breaks at the right time. Yeah, and we'll get into this in my winner's word and what uh, later on in the second half of the show. But to, but to your point, Adam, and you and I have never got to play it, never seen it when it's dry and hard and fast. Uh, never get to play it that way. I would love to play it that way because our experience, our personal experience at Torrey Pines is always lush and cold and damp and the ball goes nowhere. And I think at the end of the day, what he is saying, what Sam Ryder is saying is you just can't hide. You can't fake it out there. And it kind of brings me back to my John Romp comment from the previous segment it was like, you know, last week in the desert, he was, you know, portraying it as a putting contest and kind of frowning upon it as a putting contest. And this was not that this week. This was, I mean, you need all aspects of your game, tee to green, firing on all cylinders. You need to be flushing it. If you're not hitting it off the dime, the ball's not going to go anywhere. This is kind of what John Rahm wanted. And neither him or Sam Ryder could, could, could kind of handle it coming down the stretch. Now, 
for Sam Ryder. I still think it's a good four days for John Rahm. I, you know, like to Bob's point, he's likely exhausted. And I'm curious. I'm curious to both you guys. Adam, I'll go back to you, and then we get maybe Bob's opinion on this. But did did the three of us underestimate? what a Wednesday start would do on a quick turnaround time from a win on a Sunday night to Bob's point with you got all these different obligations, you've got all these different things that they take your schedule over when you win a golf tournament. Did we underestimate the tournament ending on Sunday and then your obligations immediately starting Tuesday at the next event with a Wednesday opening round? I'm wondering if we didn't give that enough credit. Yeah, man, it's a good point too, especially because the first two rounds are played on two different courses. Right, so you're doing prep for two courses. I know they only play once on the North Course, assuming you do make the cut. But for Rom too, and I was mentioning it to mention this to you guys after Friday's third round, it almost sounded like he was kind of sick, like he had kind of a cold or he was stuffed up. And I know there's a lot going on, obviously, but I'm sure that probably wore him down too. Like when you're not feeling 100%, you're just flat out not generally going to play your best golf. What do you think about Mark's point there, Bob? Yeah, I think. The, the, turn, the short turnaround is definitely something that adds up to it. The potential illness, we don't really know for sure. There was no mention of that by John himself. But listen, winning once is amazing. Winning twice is even more amazing. So it's, you know, it's, there's a reason why this hasn't been done much except by someone named Tiger Woods. This would have been the 19, 20th time that it's been done in the PGA Tour since 94 or something anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's crazy to think about how difficult it is to win once and then to try and win three straight starts is a long way. You could He could have been healthy. He could have been a Thursday start. He could have had lots of time off. And if he, if he didn't win, it's still not a real shock. It's, it's more of a surprise if he does manage to win it three times in a row. So I think we just have to keep it in perspective and realize that John Rahm is still a very good golfer and will likely be in the winner's circle again before the year is out. Yeah, totally. And he's playing some great golf now, clearly not having his best stuff for most of the week, finishing tie for seventh. Look out for John Rahm in 2023. Another player who had a very good week at Torrey Pines, and specifically weekend, Keegan Bradley, 68-66 on the weekend, finishing solo second. Before we discuss Keegan Bradley, who's already won once on the PGA Tour this season, let's hear from Keegan Bradley. Maybe we're not going to hear from Keegan Bradley. That's okay. So Keegan Bradley, uh, you know, he goes out, and this is a player who's won on the PGA Tour already this season, back in the fall. And, you know, this is a guy, Mark, who has almost, I wouldn't say rebuilt his body, but he has gone through a very specific regimen for diet specifically. And he's down, what, 25, 30 pounds, basically only eating meat. And how, how would you describe, Mark, a player who has been on tour now for a very long time? You won a major championship 12 years ago. And at this point in, career saying, in his career saying, hey, you know what? I have to change something. And now he's gone out and he's seeing some very good results. Well, what I like about it, Adam, is it isn't a guest. Uh, a guess. He lost over 30 pounds. And again, he's already winner this season on the PGA Tour. But, but he lost over 30 pounds. But it wasn't because... You know, he read it in a magazine or because everybody else on tour is, you know, in the gym, living in the gym, you know, acting a certain way. Him and his team just recognized that 
A, he was, there was fatigue issues at times with Keegan Bradley. And also throughout his career, throughout his very long career, as you mentioned, some of his best stretch of play, consistent stretches of play, have come when his weight is, has been down, when he's been thinner, when he hasn't been carrying a few extra pounds. So they, they kind of had some some data to, to, to prove that this might be a good direction to go in. And then he dedicated himself over the winter, over the last four or five months or so, to get it done. And, you know, it's proving to play well. Like he, you know, he played great this week. He showed up on very tough golf course, and I'm sure he's going to feel better for it. You know, we've seen body changes before in the past that have not gone well. Uh, David Duvall uh, uh, comes to mind a, a bit. Um, there, there's, you know, the list is endless. Um, but this seems to be a little bit more focused with some data supporting the team decision for him to go do this. Totally. Uh, Carl Peterson, another guy who went through quite a, a change and, and realized that, oh, wow, I have to put this weight back on and, you know, had a very different diet, put the weight back on. But, you know, good for Keegan Bradley to finish in second place. And before we go to break here, I, I want to bring up another player who didn't have the greatest finish at the Century Tournament of Champions, and that was Colin Morikawa. And I know we're going to discuss this once he gets another 54-hole lead because he's blown a couple of leads now in the last couple of years, the Hero World Challenge being one and the Century Tournament of Champions being another. But, Bob, given Morikawa's finish, a third place at the Farmers Insurance Open, what's your optimism now for Morikawa to you know, maybe get in the mix at another major this year. He's already won two in his career. Sure, it'd be nice to see him. He's a very nice player, beautiful iron player. I mean, I think that um, what happened at the Tournament of Champions, do you read too much into it? Possibly. Could have been just a bad day. Could have been... We never, we never also know what goes on in these people's lives off the golf course. You know, they could be sick. He could be... All these different things could come in that could affect the game, or it could just be a bad day on the golf course. Uh, Mark and I had those on, on our first uh, match last week. So you don't really know what the cause or what, what brings things together for people. But I, I think Colin Morikawa was just not only too good a golfer, but also too, um, too mentally strong to let that kind of stuff bother him too much. I don't think he's a guy who worries about it, stands over thinking about, oh my gosh, I don't want to pull the shot left or right or whatever. So I think, I think we'll see him. As for a major, I don't know. We'll see. He, he burst out of the gate very quickly, and maybe that was more of the surprise shock than, than, than what's happening now. So I, but I still think there's a lot of good golf left in Colin Morikawa. Yeah, it's, it's good to see Morikawa with a good bounce-back performance and you know already a two-time major champion. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get in the mix. I'm curious how his specifically short game will uh, perform under pressure once he gets back in the mix a little later on. Okay, on the other side, we're going to recap our TSN edge picks because someone, oh, someone may have selected Max Homa this week. Who picked Max Homa? We'll tell you after the break. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. 
Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up hour one here on GTC, Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, Mark Sakino. Coming up to kick off hour two, we'll recap Rory McIlroy's eventful week on the DP World Tour. Started with T-Gate and ends with a trophy. Rory McIlroy, a winner again to kick off 2023. We'll discuss that in hour two. Also, Brian Basil from TaylorMade will join us to discuss the TaylorMade Stealth 2 fairway metal and hybrid line. We'll also have winners weird and what and recap the leaderboards from around the world of golf. But as you all know, TSN Edge is your home for all your fantasy needs. And every week here on Golf Talk Canada, we make our three selections for that week's PGA tournament. And we have just, we've been on fire in this 22-23 season so far. And heading into this past week at the Farmers Insurance Open, Bob and Mark both had three wins. Mark was leading at in terms of under par, but Bob also had three wins. And someone had two wins. That's me. But... That's no longer because I had Max Homa this past week at 20 to 1 on FanDuel Canada to win. And now I have three wins. So we all are at three wins now, which is awesome to see. But Bob, as we'll discuss at length during Wednesday's show, our TSN Edge picks for this week at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am might be a little more challenging because the field is not so good. Well... There's some. Uh, there's there's going to be a whole bunch of people tee off. There's going to be a whole bunch of people play golf, That's and true. someone's going to win. So it doesn't really matter, you know, how deep it is. It might make it a little more interesting. It might make it a little more. I uh, have to do a little more deep dive research. Mm-hmm. So we'll see uh, what we can come up with. There's some past champions in the field, such as a guy named Nick Taylor, who's having a pretty decent little start. He might be a slow uh, uh, something there. Um, and just going back to last week, I did have two top tens, which is oh. fine with Fino and. Uh, and Rom, but it still doesn't count compared to your win. My next, my other pick, my third pick, mm, not so good. Will Zalatoris with a 77 in round two to uh, get the early, uh, get the weekend off. So um, it's uh, it's a tough game, and we're pretty impressive, I think, with, uh, with all of us having three wins so far this year. Yeah, certainly. And, and for a full recap here, I had Max Homa, Will Zalatoris, Jason Day, who came T7. I was 21 under overall, including a victory. Mark had Rom, Shoffley, Jay Day, uh, two top 10s and a T13 for Mark, 20 under total. And Bob had Rom, Finau, two top 10s, like you mentioned, and Will Zalatoris, who did miss the cut. Also, I also had Will Zalatoris, 68-77. Yikes. Okay, Mark, before we go to break, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. We shot a little promo that will be going on our social media feeds at some point this week while we were uh, at TaylorMade. Uh, 20 weeks of TaylorMade. Mark is back, and this year it's bigger and better than ever before. Yeah, we got to get everybody's attention. Come Players' Championship Week, we're going to release all the info here on on how you can win on 20 weeks of TaylorMade this year. But... It's bigger than ever before in terms of the size of the prizing, uh, and it's going to be a little different. This year, we're going to do it through a bit of a competition. I'm just going to throw it a teaser. Maybe, maybe Adam, on Wednesday, we'll take a deeper dive into how you win in 20 weeks TaylorMade in 2023. But Players' Championship Week is really the week where you can start to engage because it all starts officially on how you can win Masters week. So 
Uh, stay tuned. Stay on top of our social media feeds. We're going to be talking more about this as the weeks go on. Yes, we will. It's an exciting time. We always love 20 weeks of Taylor. Our viewers and our listeners also love 20 weeks of Taylor made as well. Okay. On the other side, speaking of Taylor made team, Taylor made member roaring McElroy kicks off 2023, the same way he ended 2022 on top holding a trophy. We'll recap Rory's win on the DP world tour to kick off hour two. That's coming up next. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Playgolf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, hour two, the second nine here on GTC. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, Mark Zacchino all around. And heading into our shows, heading into the season throughout the latter part of last year as we were recapping the year that was, we talked a lot about Rory McIlroy and what a year it was for him in 2022, both on and off the golf course with the PGA Tour in terms of his leadership, in terms of his remarks uh, against or trying to stand up for the PGA Tour and, you know, against those on live, et cetera, et cetera. And Rory McIlroy continues to back up his words off the golf course with incredible play on the golf course. And this past week in 2023, made his debut on the DP World Tour, his first start worldwide in 2023. And what does he do? He goes out and gets a victory. A one-shot win over none other, none other than Patrick Reed. Of course, there was drama earlier in the week with T-Gate. I'm not sure if you actually want to call it drama, but we're going to perceive it that way anyway. Before we discuss what this win means for McElroy in 2023, let's hear some very interesting comments from Rory shortly after getting the win earlier this morning. I think mentally today it was probably one of the toughest rounds I've ever had to play because it would be really easy to let your emotions get in the way um, and I, I just had to really concentrate on focusing on myself, uh, forget who was up there on the leaderboard um, and, and I did that really, really well. Um, you know, I, I feel like I, I showed a lot of mental strength out there today and again, something to really build on for the rest of the year. Some pretty interesting comments there from Rory. And yes, he gets the job done. But Mark, we'll start with you. Given the week that was with Rory and Patrick Reed at the start of the week, how amazing would a playoff have been with these guys going back and forth if uh, if McElroy hadn't birdied the final two hole? Well, exactly. I think everybody wanted to see it with the exception of Rory McElroy. But, you know, I think... The comments are interesting to me, Adam, because um, 
they, they tell me a few things. What I hear there with those Rory McIlroy comments is that this, you know, obviously this, this rivalry, this issue between tour players and live players, et cetera, et cetera, it's not just media hype, okay? It's not just us sitting around the table creating this type of environment. Rory just said right there. Okay, I think that. I think we're having uh, some connectivity issues with Mark right now. We're, we're going to work on those uh, momentarily here. Uh, Bob, we'll go to you. Um, Rory is a guy who, like it seems like John Rahm right now, playing with a chip on his shoulder. And you look at Rory's last eight worldwide starts. First, fourth, first, T4, fourth, T2, first, T8. This guy has just been on fire in his last eight worldwide starts in and obviously that doesn't include a major from last year but from what you saw from McElroy you know this week what are your expectations for him for the rest of the year and have they changed perhaps after getting an opening victory to kick off the year well I think you know those comments that we were referring to after the tournament uh, finished when he was sort of saying it was a mental strength. And I think there's, there's certainly, you can read into it that it is the, all the things that happened with Patrick Reed, but I think there's probably a little bit more to it than just that. I think you could look at it and say he overcame the 18th hole, which was a disaster last year. Uh So that's another one where he played a little bit smarter, played in and hit a wedge. I mean, almost put it in the water, but got the wedge onto the green and made a really nice uh, birdie to win. I think if you look at all parts of his game right now, they seem pretty solid. He doesn't seem to have any weaknesses. There's nothing glaring that stands out. There's no misses uh, consistently. His putter is pretty good. So I think he feels very confident about his game. And the other side, going back to that mental side, you know, it's been Patrick Reed. It's been uh, on the golf course. It's been so much stuff going on in his world around the golf course and dealing with Liv and having to answer those questions every week. And he's a little bit like Tiger in the fact that every tournament he plays, He's in the press room on the, at the start of the week. He's getting asked the same questions consistently week in and week out, which can take a toll on you as well. But I think he's been able to really compartmentalize what happens off the golf course with what goes on on the golf course. And I think he's just saying, I don't care about Patrick Reed. I don't care about what people are saying. I don't care about Liv. I, I want to go play golf. And that's what happens when he steps into the ropes and onto the first tee. And that's what he did this week, I believe. Okay, we have Mark back now. Mark, uh, to go back on the point you were making uh, before the the connectivity issues, you know, Rory, a guy playing with a chip on his shoulder, gets off to a great start 2023 with a victory. What are your expectations now for McElroy for the rest of the year? Well, my expectations were big to start the year, and they're still big. And this win doesn't change it at all. It just helps it a little bit, but it doesn't doesn't do a ton. I kind of look at it a little differently than the way Bob looks at it. I kind of look at it where he does care about those things. He does care about Liv. He does care about the rivalry. It, it does get to him. Uh, it was getting to him this week, but he was able to somehow put it aside concentrate on and that's what he was talking about in my opinion he's saying hey i was able to do this and focus and get back into what i'm doing as opposed to all that noise around me which which i am engaged with because it because it pisses me off however in order for me to uh, play my best game i've got to concentrate on what i'm doing and if he's able to do that if, if he's able to care as much as he cares and is able to win when he's supposed to which has been very hard for rory 
outside the last 12 months, let's say. You know, uh, sometimes he's backdoored a lot of great victories. If he's going to win when he's supposed to and be able to tune out the noise, even when he's that engaged to it, um, maybe this is maybe this is finally the year we see Rory kind of reach that potential we all expect. Yeah, it's a it's a one great start for McElroy. Twenty twenty three is off to an unbelievable beginning for Rory with a win on the DP. World Tour. Now, you mentioned some drama there, Mark. And for Patrick Reed, this week started with T-Gate and ended with Treegate because Patrick Reed had a tee shot earlier in the tournament where there was some controversy. And he has seen a lot of rules controversies throughout his career and there are a couple different looks on social media one specifically Brandel Chambly on the golf channel did a very in-depth look where they're almost going frame by frame of Patrick Reed's golf ball going into a tree and Reed played it essentially from a different area thinking he could identify his ball up in a tree Bob uh, what was your entire perspective on what went on with Patrick Reed and Treegate well, it's certainly that film, uh, you're too young to kind of connect with this one, Adam, but it's like the Zapruder film, which was the film of John F. Kennedy being shot. Oh, they analyzed it and analyzed it. There was a Seinfeld episode about it, about the spitting gate that paid tribute to it. And certainly Brandel Chambly on Golf Channel highlighted this extra film and showed apparently that the ball went into a tree that was not the one where um, Patrick Reed thought his ball or identified his ball. And I don't know, it's just, again, this is sort of a, uh, a situation for Patrick Reed where if he really didn't find that ball, although, you know, the officials were there with him, officials sort of backed him up, so there is something to that. But if he really didn't find that ball or even come close to it, the best move would have been just to go back. But this is going to raise all sorts of doubts again, and this is the problem with Patrick Reed. It could have been his ball up there. He could have been fine. But now he's got such a reputation for a guy who might play loose with the rules that whether he does or actually not doesn't, that, that everything's going to be analyzed to the nth degree. And I don't know. I think there's a lot of people who don't believe that Patrick Reed really saw his ball up there. And if it was somebody else, if it was Adam Hadwin, we probably would have taken him at his word. But it, it's, it's a guy who has a reputation, rightly or wrongly, of, as I say, not playing with by the rule book that stands out and glares at it and... Uh, here's another incident that's just going to, you know, it's just like piling on. Mark, what do you think about this in terms of uh, Patrick Reed, where this is definitely uh, controversial, but as Bob mentioned, there's a rules official right there who did okay it, but given his reputation of issues before, this is something that will just continue to follow P. Reed whenever he is in any sort of murky situation with the rules, correct? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, exactly what Bob said, to be honest with you. It's just the boy who cried wolf right at this point. I mean, it, we have no idea at this point if he believes he identified his ball or if he was just saying, yeah, that's my ball. I don't know. Like, we just don't know what's going on inside Patrick Reed's head. The problem is, to Bob's point, he's lost the benefit of the doubt in the public eye 
and and with the fellow players, you know, in the tournament alongside of him, I believe he's lost the benefit of the doubt. So, do we know what his intent was here? That do we know if he believes he identified his ball? Even though we've got, you know, to his defense, the video evidence that the three of us have seen that, you know, Chamblee broke down and other people have broken down, they didn't have access to that at the time when they were making this decision. So in his defense, he didn't get to look at what, what we looked at. However, do, do we know? Uh, we don't know. The only person that knows is Patrick Reed. When he looked up through those binoculars and said, yeah, that's my golf ball. You know, I, did, did he actually believe that was his golf ball? We have no idea, but I'm, I'm with Bob on this. Like the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately for Patrick Reed is long gone. That ship has completely sailed. So if I'm Patrick Reed the rest of the way, I'm with you, Adam. It's like, if, if, if I'm Patrick Reed and I'm trying to rebuild my reputation, I'm just trying to just play it by the book and just give the benefit of the doubt against me. I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going back to the T here. Let's just err on the side of caution. But that's how Patrick Reed got here in the first place, because he ain't that guy. Yeah, it's, it's certainly controversy. Seems to follow Patrick Reed wherever he goes, but pretty darn good performance on the golf course to back it up this past week. 18 under, second place on the DP World Tour. Rory McIlroy gets his year off to an unbelievable start with a victory. On the other side, we're going to learn all about the tailor-made stealth to fairway metal and hybrid line. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Back inside Golf Talk and Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, and Mark Zacchino all around the table. Well, we just got back from... The TaylorMade Kingdom in Carlsbad, California, where we shot our TaylorMade product special coming out on television on TSN in just about a month's time. We'll also have a radio special as well. And part of that, of course, was learning all about the Stealth 2 Fairway Metals and Hybrid Line. For much more, Mark went one-on-one -on -one with Brian Basil, TaylorMade's Vice President of Global Product Creation. All right, Baz, let's talk fairway metal and let's talk a little hybrid as well. But let's start with the fairway metal because this year when I saw the Stealth 2 Plus fairway metal, I noticed a very you know, visual difference. It really popped. And I think there's a great story here, especially for someone like myself who took the three wood out of the bag and really wants a five wood to play a little bit more like a four wood mm. so he can get a wedge in the bag, an extra wedge. Let's start with that plus yeah, model. Yeah, super exciting on the fairy woods and starting with the plus model. I'm exactly the same way you are, Mark. Actually, I take a five wood and get it a little bit more of four wood. And this product allows you to do it so easily, right? So in many ways, you have multiple fairways in one. This is a titanium sort of outer body construction with a carbon crown. And you've got a new technology actually in all the fairway woods and rescues in the inverted cone, the way we're doing it. Each inverted cone, basically it's a, a face that has different sort of uh, geometry to provide more speed on off-center shots. Each face, each loft, each head is done uniquely different. 
to maximize that performance. Oh, that's amazing. And of course, twist face as and twist, well. Twist face in the face as well for those off-center shots to get them back to the center. But as you said, the eye candy, so to speak, when you see the sole of this, there's something going on. And we've been working on this for years. The fairy wood is one of the hardest clubs to fit in the bag, no doubt about it. Some people don't even put it in the bag because it's just a difficult club to hit typically. Now, what you see here in the back, because we have such lightweight materials around, you have a 50 gram steel weight that slides front and back in this fairy wood. Why is that important? Well, because every golfer is different and whether you need to get the ball up in the air and want a lot of forgiveness, you can get that from this head. You basically loosen this little screw in the middle and shift this weight all the way back and it changes. You'll change your trajectory, it'll go up, spin goes up a couple hundred RPMs, the inertia, the forgiveness goes up. Or if you really want that penetrating flight, loosen it up, shift it all the way into what we call the garage, as if your car is going into the garage, and you all of a sudden you drop that spin almost 500 RPMs from the back all the way forward. I mean, it is, this is an instrument, it's a tool that's so easy to dial in. You do this in combination with the loft sleeve for those gearheads out there, it's super cool, right? It's a 170cc head, so it's not too small, not too big. There's a lot in this Plus model. I immediately dialed mine down to the lowest loft, put the weight in the garage mm. to kill the spin, and turned it into a, a hand cannon forward. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Of course, you already mentioned the specifically designed face just for that head. I mean, there's a lot going in here. That's about as dialed in as you can get with a fairway wood. And to your point, if you put that, that weight back, mm -hmm. you still can get that spin And if you're someone who needs some help getting off the ground. So people shouldn't just think of this as, oh, that's for the better player. No, see the value of this head, Yes, it's our most premium one, but the value you have in here is that you can you can change things, you know, or you know, if you you're playing a different golf course or your swing's changing a little bit, you can just easily tweak it. You know, your golf professional could certainly help you with that if you need it, but there's so much value in buying a club like this because it is forgiving, but you have so many adjustments that you can make and tweak. It's awesome. All right, let's uh, move on to Stealth 2 because yep. if you want just maximum forgiveness, get it up in the air, fast face, is this the model for you? Yeah, so the Stealth 2, I call this the Canon, right? Because this is just a beast of a fairy wood. It's 185 cc's, steel sort of uh, body in the sole and the face carbon crown that kind of wraps over the toe. So we're putting all that heavy weight actually down low in the club. So that initial launch condition kind of goes up. Um, and then we talked about the inverted cone in the face. You've got twist face, but you also have this incredibly forgiving sweet spot. Uh, because by making that face sort of thinner on the edge, it's kind of a thick, thin as you go through, almost a wave. Um, we take that extra mass that we took out, we get to put it down and back. So the CG is actually down a little bit and the stability is up. Um, and then you just have this cannon because the face is flexible, not only because it's thin and it's variable, but you have the speed pocket, which we've talked a lot over the years of. This is a defining characteristics of a tailor-made fairy wood and why they are so good uh, because you get a lot of speed on low face shots. All right, I want to talk now about the third model because yep. Yep. 
I think people are going to absolutely love this. And I was shocked to hear there was some tour guys that automatically wanted to put this in bag. Because yeah. when I look at this model, I'm thinking, okay, high handicap, need to get it up, need to look at something very low profile. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the case. Everyone seems to be gravitating to this golf club. Yeah, this is why I'm so excited by the Fairywood line for Stealth 2. Not only you know, talking about the adjustability, the Canon, and now this one, the Stealth 2 HD, this is the most forgiving, most playable head that we've ever measured at TaylorMade headquarters. Wow. From us, um, it, 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 this thing is a 200cc low profile head. It actually has the weight kind of shifted low and back. It, it has a, a little bit sharper leading edge because as that weight goes back, the head kind of wants to go up and we want to get that right under the ball. So we've done a lot of unique things with this, but the inertia and the stability of this head is off the charts, literally off the charts. Low CG, high inertia. So for somebody that just struggles with the fairy wood, you've got to try this because the ball just gets up and it's easy to hit. So I know the technology is off the charts in this. I know you just mentioned it's the highest you've ever tested in mm -hmm. the family, but to bring that to the golf course, when, they, when players look down at this, mm -hmm. the first thing they're gonna get is confidence. It looks like I can launch this right. high and far. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Matt Bowie talked about the irons a little bit, where part of our recipe in the HD model is, what does the golfer look at when they set it down, and does it inspire confidence? And that's one of our goals of the product. Before you measure it, and you, if you get the chance to get on a launch monitor or all of that, there's so much to be said for when you set it down, can I hit that? Does that look easy to hit? And there's a lot of players like that, right? So getting the right shaping and the recipe so that happens, and I appreciate you saying that, Mark, because that's exactly what we're going for. And we've been able to transition all this into the hybrid line as well this year with Stealth 2 Hybrid. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I, I tapped in a little and talked about the technology and the inverted cone, and the rescues all have that as well. And so I'll take all three out here because you have three sort of unique shapes. And I'll go from sort of smallest, better player to slightly higher handicap, right? Can we also say we transition from a hybrid that might want to, or a rescue that might want to replace an iron versus into a rescue that might replace a fairway metal? Yes, exactly. So if you look at just the Stealth 2, it's a little bit more iron-like in its shaping. So it's a little bit lower, uh, smaller profile, front to back. It has a little bit of a higher toe. So now you're getting a little bit closer to an iron, like you said and you actually get that slightly lower launch and higher spin condition that, uh, that somebody who loves irons but needs a little bit more forgiveness will get from this product. You have adjustability in, the, in this one as well, plus or minus one and a half degrees. So we've did a, done a lot of nice things on the shaping of this product, um, but, but you said it best. If you're looking for a little bit more iron-like, a little bit more versatility, this is the one for you. But as you work through, you have Stealth 2. This complements the cannon on the fairway wood, right? Right up the gut, middle uh, of the road from a shaping perspective. We did change sort of the leading edge and the way it sits down and the way it goes through the ground a bit. It does have a lower center of gravity. It does have more stability, just like I talked about, and has that inverted cone. So there's a lot of technology. It looks clean and simple, but there's a lot in there. And then the HD model as well. High draw, you know, get it up, get it in play, Perhaps get it on the green if you're if you're lucky. We're trying to help golfers of all abilities play better golf. And this one again, it's gonna help those maybe slower swing speed players or players that need to get the ball up in the air. Another home run again. So much excitement with Stealth 2 from driver, fairway, right into hybrid. Bass, thanks so much. Yeah, Mark, appreciate it. Always love talking product with you. Certainly an exciting new line of clubs, the Stealth 2 Fairways. 
and hybrids. On the other side, our favorite time of the show, it's Winners Weird and What. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac, Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully, Bob Weeks, and Mark Zacchino. Well, it's another crazy week in the world of golf. No shortage of weird and wacky things going on both on and off the golf course it is winners weird and what it's our favorite time of the show and this week bob you have the tea so so what do i do just aim for the pond no you're not supposed to hit it into the water but you hit it into the water i know i hit it into the water well why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there because it's fun we're having fun look it went further than your ball all right, guys, my uh, winner this week is a, uh, I don't know if you, I guess you could classify him as a bit of a journeyman. It's Ben Silverman, Thornhill, Ontario's own Ben Silverman, who has been uh, bouncing around PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, and didn't take up golf till he was quite late in his career. He was, he was a hockey player. Uh, that seems to run through a lot of players' profiles on the PGA Tour, Canadian players on the PGA Tour. Uh, but last week, on a sponsor exemption, down in the Bahamas, he came through and won in dramatic style, we should add, because he had a two-shot lead coming into the last hole. He was walking down the fairway after hitting his tee shot, thinking, okay, this is it. Got very emotional. This is a life-changing event. Whoops, hit his ball out of bounds and doubled and went into a playoff where his opponent hit his ball uh, in, out of bounds. And so he lost, uh, or so Ben Silverman wins his Corn Ferry Tour event, first time since 2017. He... As a result of that, also got a little added bonus where he uh, was given a sponsor exemption into this week's Pebble Beach, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So kind of a double win for, for Ben. And uh, hopefully if everything works out as it's scheduled to do, we'll have him on the Wednesday show. We're just working out a few details to chat with him. Uh, my weird this week is a story that Gary McCord told on a podcast this week where he once went out and intentionally missed all 18 greens in a, in a tour event. Now, you may think, why would a guy want to miss greens? Well, there used to be a statistic on the PGA Tour in the days well before they had anything um, like strokes gained. There was a story about, uh, or a stat that was uh, total putts and another one for putts per round statistic. So Gary McCord was in the lead for that, and he wanted to assure himself that he would win that. And so in order to do that, what he did was he relied on his chipping. He hit the ball off the green, chipped up close and tapped in, and he had a whole bunch of one putts. And yes, he did go in on to win that category, and his line was, hey, I was never ever going to win anything else on the PGA Tour, so I might as well win that category. So only Gary McCord would do that. Good old Gary McCord. And then my what this week is, what would a weekend be without a great quote tweet from Jessica Hadwin? Now, she... Uh, was watching her husband out at, uh, at uh, Torrey Pines this past week, and she tweeted him something just before he finished, so I guess he would get the, tw the text as he was in perhaps the scoring trailer or in the locker room. 
And the text started off saying, are we able to get out of here tonight or will it be tomorrow? Thinking that, of course, he was going to miss the cut and they would be able to move on. And then she corrected herself very quickly and sent out the next text. Oh, never mind. Nice birdie finish. And, of course, Adam Hadwin did make the cut. He did play on the weekend. And we saw him playing there on the weekend. But if you don't follow uh, Adam Hadwin's wife, Jessica, I would suggest you follow her. She is one of the best, um, best people on Twitter. And I actually said to Adam one time, I said, you should put your name. Just let her tweet, but put your name on the account. And uh, you might win some of that big pip money at the end of the, uh, end of the year. All right, Mark, the T is yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! All right, boys, we alluded to this earlier in the show, and I said we'd bring it up a little bit more in Winner's Weird and What, but Tory Pines is my winner this week because after a few weeks on the PGA Tour where we're in Kapalua, and, I mean, we're gazillion under par, and then last week in the desert, we're gazillion under par again. And I had numerous people come up to me in the last couple of weeks going, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like some of these like, crazy low scores. I like sometimes par to be a good score. Well, you know what? Tory Pines gives us that every year, year in and year out. I mean, what, 13 under par one, and that includes a round on the north course. I mean, if these guys go around four rounds at, at Torrey Pine South, odds are the winners somewhere around nine under par, most often or not. This is the only uh, one of the only golf courses on the PGA Tour where you really just show up, off you go and play. We've played it. The rough's thick all the time. It is just a big bad, straightforward golf course. It is not a putting contest, like John Rahm alluded to last week at the American Express. Uh, it is a ball strikers golf course. You cannot hide. And I just think uh, it might not be everybody's favorite golf course in the world, uh, but it's not tricked up to Adam's point. It's in your face. And I wish we played more of these. Uh, the challenge, I think, sometimes being everybody assumes that the best golf course is where the PGA Tour always goes to. No, not often. It's it's sometimes the best golf course that can handle the infrastructure, parking, fans, media, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Torrey Pines, definitely a winner this week. All right. My weird, and I think this might come up again in Winner's Weird and What, but Phil Mickelson back out there on social media. And it says, what a great seven under par third round by Royal, Rory McIlroy in Dubai to open up a three-shot lead. Let's see if he can finish it off. Let's watch final round coverage from the Middle East on Golf Channel. I mean, why are we continuing to poke the bear? I mean... I don't know. Adam, what did you feel like when you read this tweet from Phil Mickelson? Because I know you were watching his feed all week, but I'm like, just leave it alone, Phil. Yeah, kind of strange. I mean, when he mentioned Dubai, that was all in caps. So that was a little little twisting right there by Phil Mickelson. And this is a guy who many believe w would have been a broadcaster with the PGA Tour, with CBS or one of the, the major networks had he not done what he did had he not won the PGA championship a couple of years back when his game really was slipping it, it seemed like you know we all remember when Mickelson did that little cameo with CBS for the 2020 PGA championship and he was great he was awesome at it because he's something different and now this almost seemed like he was trying to do that but also you know twist the knife a little bit in there too with the caps lock it was just kind of weird Mark 
It was definitely weird. Thus my weird and winners were what and my what is what is Jimmy Dunn going to do for a member guest partner guys this year? Because Jimmy Dunn is the president of Seminole Golf Club. And of course, Seminole uh, has that famous uh, a pro-am where they usually invite like a high profile professional. The field sometimes looks better than than any professional golf tournament on the planet outside of a major or the players. Uh, but the, uh, another organization to say, live players not allowed. Jimmy Dunn is the president of Seminole. He's played in the past with Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson. This year, the club has decided that they no, will no longer welcome uh, live golf players to Seminole. Now, uh, Jimmy uh, Dunn is a board member at the PGA Tour. His company is based in Wall Street. He lost a lot of friends and family in 9-11. So he's a little closer to this situation than maybe uh, some of us are. But just one more, I guess another one bites the dust when it comes to uh, live players being uh, sent to the the island of misfit toys in a certain way. <laughs> All right, Adam, the teaser is yours. 348. Oh. <laughs> oh man, that is sweet. Okay, gents, my winner this week goes to Friday's third round of the PGA Tour, where CBS tried something new, tried something innovative, which a lot of people have been asking for, hoping for, trying to freshen up the coverage a little bit. Now, on the DP World Tour, we've seen a lot of walk and talk interviews where a reporter is walking side by side with a player and they're talking about their round sort of thing. And generally, you know, it's sometimes, you know, players are huffing and puffing as they're walking. And sometimes you get some gold, sometimes you really don't get much of anything. But CBS tried something a little different. After Max Homa hit his tee shot on the par 5 13th hole at Torrey Pines South Course, he, he had a microphone on, he had a, an earpiece in, and the broadcast crew was interviewing him and asking about, you know, what he's thinking about on his layup coming up, what he's thinking about, whether he's going to go forward in two, what's the lie going to be like, what's his, what's his round been like overall. And I thought this was awesome. And they couldn't have picked a better player to do this with. As many people know, as you guys, both Bob and Mark, both talked about, you know, Max Holm was one of the great guys on the PGA Tour in terms of personality, in terms of just, just being an all-round good person, regardless that he's one of the top players on the PGA Tour. Now, of course, he goes on and wins last week at Torrey Pines, but this was something that was really cool. This is something that you really get a deep dive into the player's mind about what they're thinking and couldn't have picked a better guy uh, kudos to CBS and the coverage. They are looking forward to seeing this uh, going forward. Okay, Mark, you mentioned Phil Mickelson and tweeting. And that's where I'm going with my weird because he was at it again tweeting. And he tweeted out, uh, the tour doesn't allow shorts, but does allow this week's leader, being Sam Ryder at the time, to wear joggers with ankle socks, showing four inches of ankle. I'm no fashion guy, never will be, but there are some things that I never understand and Eric Van Ruyen who some would say is the jogger whisperer of the PGA Tour because he only wears joggers and wears them well I must say he tweeted back a photo of Phil a couple of years ago when he went through that really weird stage of wearing an all-on dress shirt on the golf course where his his uh, apparel company decided to put something out there a little different uh bob a what are your thoughts on joggers and b phil i don't know what he's trying to do here again trying to put a little dig at the pga tour well 
Phil is the master of the needle. At least he thinks he is anyway. He tries to stick that in here and there. I think joggers are great. Did you not wear joggers when you made your uh, albatross or were you wearing longer pants? You're kind of a joggers guy. I've seen you wear joggers on the course. I, I am a joggers guy. I was wearing pants though. Okay. Uh, if you had made it, if, if your albatross had been made with joggers, I would be wearing joggers more often because I think that's probably what's missing in my swing from it. But uh, I like joggers. I wear them. I haven't worn them on the golf course yet. I wear them on the plane a lot because they're pretty comfortable. But um, that's, I, I, I say more joggers, more joggers. Okay, so what we've learned from today's show is that we're going to get t-shirts made saying Bunker Bob and another t-shirt with Bob's face on it saying Bunker Bob more joggers. Uh, I think that's sort of the summary we've received so far here on okay G, on GTC. Okay, before we go to break here, my what this week, more fun on Twitter. Now, we mentioned during our Wednesday show last week, our first Wednesday show, 10 a.m. to noon on TSN 1050, about T-Gate because, of course, there was all the drama last week about Patrick agreed throwing a tea at Rory McIlroy and Bob and I went on Sports Center and had teas in our right hand talking about who would want to throw a tea at Hardy Har Har. Uh, Max Homa after his first round tweeted out uh, had a nice time on the course today five birdies one bogeys no subpoenas a very successful start to the week. Colin Morikawa replies was so close to throwing a tea at you but you're just too nice. Hardy har har. Way to go, guys. Having some fun, poking some fun at a very interesting situation. Mark, were there any times while we were on the golf course where you really just wanted to launch a tee at me? Never, Adam. I enjoyed watching all your swings this week. The good ones, the bad ones, all of them. I just, uh, the only complaint I have is uh, Bob and I, our back was getting sore watching you hit those shots. That's how hard you were swinging. <laughs> Well, that's fair. And, and, you know, my partner, Nick Obrich from TaylorMade Team Recoil, he was absolutely sending that driver to, uh, for those who missed the early recap, one and one Team Recoil and Team Week Sino this past week. It was a fun week in California. Okay, on the other side, we'll wrap up today's show. We'll have leaderboard updates from around the world of golf, and we'll preview our Wednesday show. That's all coming up on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up today's GTC, Adam Scully, Bob Week, Mark Zacchino, all around the table. Time now for leaderboard updates. The leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one range finder in golf. Visit bushnellgolf.com. On the DP World Tour, Rory McIlroy, a winner again. Rounds of 66, 70, 65, 68, a one-shot victory over none other than Patrick Reed. The week started with T-Gate, ended with Tree-Gate for Patrick Reed, ended with a trophy for one Rory McIlroy. On the PGA Tour, Farmers Insurance Open, Max 
Homa, a two-shot victory. Rounds of 68, 70, 71, 66. A two-shot victory over Keegan Bradley. Colin Morikawa also in the mix. John Rahm's bid for three consecutive victories comes up just short for Rahm. Top Canadian Adam Hadwin, a T44. And this happened last week, ended on the Wednesday. Ben Silverman, Canadian winner on the Corn Ferry Tour in a playoff over Cody Blick. Ben Silverman also playing at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am a little later this week. And we're hoping to have Ben on our show as well Wednesday morning to discuss that victory and his outlook here for not only Pebble Beach, but for the rest of the season. And to wrap up leaderboard updates as well, Team Week Cena. One and one against Team Recoil this past weekend. Uh, there was an albatross, and then it was all downhill for us. Now, Mark, what is the official record now? I, you'll have to remind me. I think uh, I think I have it at uh, is it thirty two hundred thirty one and two. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have to get the official uh, score uh, on that. Uh, I've got a whiteboard here somewhere where I've, I've sort of tallied it up here, and it's uh, it's getting a little small. So we'll have to uh, to go back and uh, and look at that. Um, of course, we're back on Wednesday, 10 a.m. to noon on TSN 10:50, where we are going to discuss the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro Am because the tournament is starting a day later and. You know, I mentioned it earlier, it, it might not be the strongest of fields. We've seen a lot of great fields uh, starting the Century Tournament of Champions. The Sony Open didn't have the greatest field of all time. But the past two weeks, we've seen five of the top 10 ranked players in the world playing in the tournaments. Uh, Bob, for you, I, I know, you know, celebrities are in this tournament. Has, has that kind of maybe worn off a little bit? And you're just looking forward to seeing good golf at Pebble and, and, and Spyglass? I think it's a fun weekend. I think I know that a lot of the players don't go there because the rounds are horrendously long, um, probably because you have lots of amateurs out there playing golf, and it's so it's a about a six-hour round. But it is still Pebble Beach, and so it's I'm looking forward to seeing the beautiful views. And uh, and when we get to Sunday, and it's only a few of the amateurs left, and the, most of the players, I think it's a really really fun tournament to watch. And we're going to discuss this at length on Wednesday. I am so excited personally to watch this because I just played the, the golf courses. I, I was there in September getting a chance to play. And I, I really am looking forward to seeing Spyglass as well because I, Spyglass is just an unbelievable golf course. It's hard, too. I, I personally would say it's harder than Pebble Beach. It might be a conditions thing. I'd love to obviously go back and play it again. Uh, but uh, it's going, going to be a great challenge. Uh, Mark, uh, before we sign off here as well, 20 weeks of TaylorMade, our listeners have to stay tuned because it's definitely bigger and better in 2023, isn't it? Yeah, we're going to get into a little bit on Wednesday, Adam, but really the day you need to be focused on or the week you need to be focused on is Players' Championship Week. So uh, get engaged with our social media channels if you're not already. You do not want to miss this because it's bigger than ever. And I think we're going to have more fun. I think going to be more engagement this year, more needling, more fun across the board. And I think we're going to have the entire TSN 1050 family on board for the first time, which is going to be really exciting. But uh, again, maybe a little bit of chatter on this on Wednesday. Okay, talk about a teaser there from the Z-Man. Okay, this is going to be a lot of fun. 20 weeks of TaylorMade going forward this year. Uh, next up for us, 10 a.m. to noon, Wednesday, TSN 1050. A little later on, early afternoon or late morning, 
we'll have our TSN edge picks as well on, TS, on TSN.ca. And we'll also have the edge perspective throughout Wednesday's show. All the Canadians in the field. Past champion at Pebble Beach, including Nick Taylor. So much to get to. It's all Wednesday, 10 a.m. TSN 1050. Mark, Bob, thanks for a great show. Great to see you both as well in 3D, in person, throughout the, our time in California. Thanks to Nick Obrich and everyone from TaylorMade for setting up just a remarkable, unforgettable trip for us as we shot our television special for the, our TaylorMade product special. Uh, it's been another fun one. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you Wednesday, 10, uh, 10 a.m. to noon on TSN 1050. Thanks for joining us. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the Tour 360 22. Tour 360 22 sits on the feet you wear last, serving as the foundation for the Tour 360 fit, while the Spike More traction system will help golfers stay locked in. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.